0: If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Taylor hit, but he bounces into the end zone.
1: How can we, like you mentioned, as pillars, as guys who are leaders on this team, how can we turn that around?
0: Play action. Now he's in trouble and he's going to be brought down. A sack for the Colts. DeForest Buckner back to the 27-yard line. Never quit.
1: I never not fall. I never not compete. And I will always continue to be a great, great leader, great competitor.
0: Now he checks it down left side looking for the end zone for Alec Pierce. And he's got it. Touchdown! Pierce. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Yes, let's do it. The NFL, it's on fire. We had the Combine last week. NFL free agency starts next week. A boatload of moves on Monday. Derek Carr to the Saints. Geno Smith back with the Seahawks for three years. Calvin Ridley's going to be a Jaguar. Uh, Tony Pollard got the franchise tag. Josh Jacobs got tagged. Jaguars tagged Evan Ingram.
2: Uh, A ton of cap casualties. We got two and a half hours until we learn what kind of tag Lamar Jackson's getting.
0: Right. All of this stuff going on. Derrick Henry might be out of the division here. Uh, Phillip Rivers wants back into the NFL. Potentially, Lara, what is going on?
3: Hey, this is how we spend the time leading up to the draft, right? Like, the NFL is 12 (laughs) months a year, and this is the news cycle that has to keep things afloat and that we have to keep just constant conversations to bridge us to late April until the Colts make that draft pick currently sitting at number four. So, yeah, we need all this. I love it. The NFL is the greatest reality show that there Mm -hmm. is. You know, no offense to the housewives and the Kardashians, but I'll take the shield all day. Yeah.
2: To to me, the two months between... the start of the NFL Combine and the end of the NFL Draft are my favorite two months of the year because it's all just about what could happen or, okay, this guy's now here. What could happen you know, now?
0: What does this mean?
2: Right. And there, there are just every year there's there are earth-shattering moves that you don't see coming. You don't see Tyreek Hill getting traded mm-hmm. or Devontae Adams getting traded. No, Russell coming. Wilson. Right. Do we see Aaron Rodgers get traded this week? Do we see Lamar Jackson get traded this week? Do we see the Ravens use the non-exclusive franchise tag and a team just be like, yeah, sure, two first-round picks for Lamar. Sounds great. Let's sign him up. (laughs) There's so much that can happen. The next time we convene here, a week from today, we'll be into the negotiating period of free agency and – the landscape of the NFL is going to look completely different than it does today.
3: Very quickly, because this is always something every year I kind of have to refresh myself on. Can you explain, like, just in quick terms, the franchise tag and the ramifications of it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's not super... Crash course for dummies. Not super relevant
2: to us here at the Colts, because we haven't used it since tagging Pat McAfee (laughs) a decade ago. Um, The franchise tag allows teams to essentially control for one year... Is somebody who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. Their contract is expiring. The exclusive versus non-exclusive is something you're going, to, you're going to hear a lot about today, whenever this podcast comes out, because how it relates to Lamar Jackson, maybe Daniel Jones, we'll see. The exclusive franchise tag means no team can negotiate with that player. So if you put the exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson, if the Ravens do that, no other team can negotiate with Lamar Jackson, but it's about $14 million more expensive to use that on a quarterback. If the Ravens use the non-exclusive tag, I think it's about 32 million, you can sign that player to an offer sheet. And if the team that placed the tag on that player, so if the Ravens say, all right, you signed Lamar Jackson, to a four year fully guaranteed contract, we don't want to match it. The team that signed him to that offer sheet then gets Lamar Jackson and sends two first round picks to the Baltimore Ravens. Right,
0: And it was, you have until June to negotiate uh, I think contracts. it's mid July. July, I
2: think it's like jul- mid middle of July. Yeah.
3: Meanwhile, Daniel Daniel Jones is trying to command forty million a year. Like oh. the, the quarterback market that has been set because of the Deshaun Watson. Move and what are you going to do? Year? Are you going
0: to not pay it? Right, right. The fear of the quarterback unknown. That's what all these guys have leveraged hey, It's against. a good.
2: It's a good time to be looking at rookie quarterback contracts. Yeah. <laughs> right about now.
0: <laughs> good segue right there. That's what we're. Uh, all talking about today. This is the official Colts podcast brought to you by WinBet. We're stock full of... Good topics today, per usual, in studio. I'm Matt Taylor, Lara Overton, J.J. Stangevitz. Coming up, the Colts coaching staff. Some of those hires have officially been announced by the club. Our takeaways from the combine, of course, those quarterback press conferences, those quarterback workouts over the weekend, and the possible decisions that Chris Ballard and the Colts have to weigh in on in the next couple of weeks. We'll also hear from NFL Draft Insider Charles Davis, on the show today. He sat down with us at the Combine last week, had a really good conversation with Charles. So we'll hear that coming up in just a bit. But let's talk about those coaching moves. Uh, again, the Colts have announced the following additions to the coaching staff. Jim Bob Cooter, offensive coordinator. T.J. Ingalls, assistant to the head coach. Tom Manning's tight end coach. Brian Mason, special teams coordinator. He's a Zionsville native. DeAndre Smith is going to coach the running backs. Tony Sperano Jr. is in as the offensive line coach. Cam Turner, he's going to guide the quarterbacks. And Chris Watt will be the assistant offensive line coach to Sperano Jr. And additionally, Brent Jackson has been elevated to defensive quality control coach Richard Smith. He was on the staff last year under Gus Bradley. He's going to be the linebackers coach, but also take on the title of run game coordinator. Brian Bratton will be the offensive quality control with a focus on wide receivers. So we talked about Jim Bob Cooter in the past, Tom Manning. We've talked about Tony Sperano Jr. on prior shows. We have not talked about Cam Turner. He spent the last couple of years in in, uh, Arizona adding the title of co-passing game coordinator last year. He helped guide the early years of Kyler Murray as he adapted to the NFL. Before that, though, Got a start in the NFL as a position coach, three years in Carolina. The first two as uh, assistant wide receivers coach, the last one as assistant quarterbacks coach for a Panthers team that had Cam Newton on, uh, on the team at the time. He is the nephew of Norv Turner. That's the coaching mentor of Shane Steichen. So that might be the connection there, JJ. So let's talk about Turner. How uh-huh. much of his work with mobile dynamic quarterbacks, how much did that influence Steichen to potentially make this higher.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. You know, as you're evaluating quarterback coach, that you know, I think a lot of people would agree that's probably one of the most important positions to get right on this coaching staff to to because that guy's probably going to be developing a top picked quarterback. The experience that uh, Cam Turner has with two former number one overall picks and Cam Newton and Kyler Murray, two guys who, you know, they're, they're different players. Cam Newton is a big dude. Whereas Kyler Murray more slight, mm-hmm. um, I always think it's funny at this time of year when you can read into it and you can say, "Well, Cam T- Cam Turner coached Cam Newton, so well that must mean the Colts are going to go get Anthony Richardson, who's like you know six three two forty four or whatever. He's yeah. Cam Newton size,
0: combine hero.
2: Yeah. But then if you look at it the other way." It's like, well, Cam Turner was with Kyler Murray. Well, maybe that means they could go get Bryce Young, who weighed in like the exact (laughs) same as Kyler Murray did at the NFL Combine. All this stuff is just – it's silly season for that. There's a lot more reading between the lines on these things than I think you need to do. Cam Turner's just a good coach, and, and that's why the Colts went and hired him.
0: All right, let's talk about special teams, Lair. Brian Mason is in the fold. As we said, he's a Hoosier. He's from Zionsville, so he grew up about 20, 25 minutes away from where we're sitting here chatting right now. He's special teams coordinator, replacing Bubba Ventrone. We know he left to join the Browns staff. He's making that big jump, though, making the jump to the NFL for the first time, 15-year guy at the collegiate level, last five in charge of the special teams units at Cincinnati, spent last year at Notre Dame, so one year with the Irish, and they had a terrific season on special teams. They blocked seven punts after they blocked only six in the previous ten seasons. So he was dialing up a lot of creativity, uh, you know, in the third phase of the game, if you will. So what do you make of of Mason in the fold with the Colts after the Colts lost Bubba Ventrone? You know, kind of going to that pool of the uh, a little bit inexperienced there, but a guy that obviously has a lot of upside and a lot of thirst for the job.
3: Well, it brings in a great dynamic because he has such a strong foundation within that special teams unit of the guys that he will inherit within that group. And then also being able to retain Joe Hastings as the assistant special teams coordinator in there. So there will be continuity, but it will be interesting to see how he can develop that group and bring something else in that's a little bit different from what we've been used to seeing it's ha- it's been a group we've talked over and over about the consistency of production in every level of special teams under Ventron, well, what is something that you could implement differently? We know a lot of things where you're seeing, you know, Rick Venturi will talk about, you know, the NCAA offenses and how we're seeing more of the college game implemented now in the NFL. What are those elements within special teams that we have seen become more prominent um, and more productive within the college game that he's going to bring in and implement from that success that he had at Notre Dame? And one of the things I like about the Steichen hires in general is that they've been pretty diverse. It hasn't just been one formula or one track record that's led him to a particular guy. It's been very broad. It's been extensive in terms of filling in the positions that he has had to fill. Didn't have to do a lot of work on the defensive side because of retaining Gus Bradley and that side. So it allowed him to hone in on these other areas and really make sure he's getting the right fit. So I like how interesting this is going to be in terms of meshing a lot of different, you know, philosophies and mentalities. And especially for that special teams group. Which has had such a high bar Mm -hmm. to consistently level up to?
2: Yeah, I was texting with uh, my friend Pete Sampson, who's covered Notre Dame for 20 years about Brian Mason, and he said he's kind of like a mad scientist, which I really like to hear. I I, like my special teams coordinator kind of have some like mad scientist vibes, but he's nuts. Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of, you kind of like Bubba kind of was a mad scientist in some ways. Right. Um, It's a
3: special niche, right? Like special teams coordinators, like are kind of. Cut from a specific block, yeah, right? You know,
2: and and the other thing that that Pete told me when I was texting with him was that he, Brian Mason got Notre Dame starters to play hard for him on special teams, not just play on special teams, but to play hard. Isaiah Foskey's looking like probably a day two pick at defensive end. He was one of the most critical members of the punt block unit that Brian Mason had when Brian Mason halfway Colts through the season. Some punt blocks. Yeah, and you're gonna love this then. Halfway through the season. Brian Mason changed the name of how he referred to the punt return unit to the punt block unit. Love it. And then they went out and <laughs> blocked punts in five consecutive games. I mean, it's a it, – We
3: ain't going to return them. We're going to stop them from happening.
2: But but his, his philosophy is if you can affect the punt, to if you block it, that's great. But if you can affect the punter to where it's field he position. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you can essentially get that field position back if the guy shanks it because he's under pressure or he, he doesn't hit a clean punt. That 10 yards of difference is Huge. just as good as a return. I love that philosophy.
0: Yep, no doubt about it. Good stuff right there. Again, check out Colts.com or the Colts mobile app. That has the full list, uh, the full rundown of the coaching additions – and the titles and the new responsibilities within the coaching staff. So we ran over it uh, briefly, but, again, Colts.com has all the information there for you as that was released today, Tuesday, as we sit here and tape this right now on the official Colts podcast. Let's talk about the Combine. Last week was a busy week for us. Let's try to put a bow on it before we talk about free agency coming up next week. Let's talk about quarterbacks. Lara, what did we learn about the top quarterbacks in the draft in terms of when they spoke to the media – when they were at their respective press conferences, at the podium, and and how much stock do the Colts put on that part of the combine?
3: We know because of hearing from Chris Ballard in his media availability, and I'm not talking about the podium availability, but when he went off to the side and had a scrum with the local reporters, he was asked specifically about how— what what are the things you're assessing or trying to really glean from the combine? And, you know, it's not so much the throwing sessions and this and that, because obviously some guys don't throw. And he was talking about, you know, it's routes on air, right? Mm-hmm. Like we get more from diving in, digging in yeah. on the tape. There's those been things. plenty of
0: quarterbacks that have aced that part of it that did not yes. have success so in the So he NFL. said he
3: really pays attention to how they engage with the media and how they conduct themselves, because you do get a great sense of, not only just a guy's personality, but his maturity, his poise, how unflappable he is, which are all critical aspects when you are looking at quarterback prospects. So I I don't really think that anyone drastically impacted one way or another I thought all of the guys because of the majority of the quarterbacks who there was so much of a spotlight on come from major programs they're used to having all of that media attention they're used to doing all those type of things it didn't probably skew yourself one way or another but most likely just reaffirmed what you were already thinking and the grading that you had already done and where you stood on certain guys I'm saying just purely based on those situations alone. Because you've seen enough of your Bryce Youngs and your C.J. Strouds and your Stetson Bennetts and all of those guys to kind of know they're probably going to be pretty much who you thought they were so mm-hmm. between the sessions at the podium whether that's from college football playoff situations bowl games combine and then also what you're gathering from your scouts who are on the campus sites you already have a pretty good foundation a pretty good sample size of who you think somebody is that might just kind of affirm one way or another right. exactly what you were expecting because these guys are doing such kind of a car wash of of media where they're going to podiums and they're going to NFL network and they're sitting with Sirius XM or different things that they're doing over the course. So how are they conducting themselves start to finish? And then right. also, I thought it was interesting because you're corralling these guys around with one another. How do they engage with the other prospects? Do they keep to themselves? Are they joking around? Are they jovial? Are they a little more introverted? Those are kind of interesting things that you can kind of learn one way or another. That being said. I don't think there's one guy that you know catapulted himself to the front, or just completely dove off a cliff from his grading, just purely based on the you know couple of days we had at the combine downtown. Yeah,
2: I mean, if you if if you went into this combine thinking. Anthony Richardson is a great athlete. You came out of this combine thinking Anthony Richardson's a great athlete. If you went into this combine thinking C.J. Stroud's very accurate when he throws from the pocket, you left this combine thinking, oh, C.J. Stroud's really accurate, mm-hmm. throwing from the pocket. And, oh,
3: Bryce Young's really likable. Shock. Yeah, you know, right. We knew that, you know, uh, <laughs> right? The, the,
2: so the the thing that I wanted to do when, when the quarterbacks talked on Friday was not necessarily, like, go talk to them because those press conferences are 200 deep and everyone's asking, have you met with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Like, I I don't care about that, but I did go and talk to a couple of these guys, teammates, Um, Cameron Latou's tight end from Alabama. He, he, he said Bryce Young just lived in the building. He, he was the first guy in last guy out that type of mentality. I think sometimes you take it for granted with these top college quarterbacks, but you need that. That, that's something that Shane Steichen has talked about with Jalen Hurts, that he has that mentality, that it factor, that he's obsessed with the game. Talking to Jackson Smith and Jigba about his relationship with C.J. Stroud and just how demanding C.J. could be in certain aspects of, hey, when I put the ball here, I need you here. You know, that relationship of them being very close and very tight, I think just kind of hearing about... The quarterback-wide receiver right. relationship was interesting. Justin Shorter, a wide receiver from Florida, chatted with him for a little bit just about how Anthony Richardson made him a better receiver mm-hmm. because he, he was a guy who could, you know, he's got straight-line speed, can go down the field, and Richardson was willing to let it rip to him. And then uh, Will Levis didn't have any of his Kentucky teammates at the Combine, but a tight end he played with at Penn State, Brenton Strange, uh, just talked about Will Levis's freakish athleticism and, and talked about how even when he was a backup at Penn State, he could tell he had some good leadership qualities to him. So, you know, just hearing those things, these are the things that, as you're doing this whole vetting process, like Lara mentioned, like everything from start to finish of the day, but you're also talking to teammates, trainers, uh, you know, support staff, anyone who came in contact with these guys over the course of their college career, you want to talk to them because this is a big decision for the course of the franchise and you need to go into it with as much information as possible so you're constantly being evaluated. These guys, right. every second they were in Indianapolis last week, they were being evaluated by the Colts and by 31 other teams in the in NFL. All
0: times. No, I agree with you guys. I thought Will Levis had a bit of... Arrogance is not the right word. Oh, that's the word I was getting. But he had with. he had a touch of brashness. Yeah, maybe if, if I that's had a cannon, I want to show Better. Uh-huh. Off. Uh-huh. He
3: was asked, yeah. "Why are you throwing?" But, but a I can don't I show. don't
0: knock him for that because he's trying to exude confidence, and you want that. You'd rather have that than someone who is timid or unsure yeah. of themselves in front of the media. But I thought. Yeah, I thought He see- also
3: said it kind of playfully. Like, I think that the other thing is, is when you just read the words, you don't feel the context of mm-hmm. how it was said. So I feel like that it's difficult because you see everyone taking tweets and, and quoting, you know, these are my role models. I thought and it was a little this, self-deprecating, and, and, th- too. It's
0: like, yeah, I'm. And- I got this arm. Let's go. Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. I I think that there's a few things that you saw tweeted out that were a little bit taking out of context that you really need to watch the video uh, in order for it to be properly understood.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's life in general. That's why Twitter is such a... Terrible. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a dangerous, it's dangerous, Meanwhile, slippery Meanwhile, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I have TweetDeck
2: opened in front of me right yeah. now because I'm just like, give me the Lamar news. 100%, yeah.
0: But I thought C.J. Stroud, he was especially good at the podium talking about his athleticism and maybe regretting not using that mobility more in I college. I thought that was really compelling. You know, that's, that's a pretty yeah. wise statement right there. But all the quarterbacks, I thought, did a nice job of answering the questions there on Friday morning. Like you said, J.J., there was... You know, 150, 200 people strong for all the top quarterbacks when they talked simultaneously there. All right. What did we learn about the top quarterbacks in, in regards to their on field workouts? Lara, any, any takeaways from, again, routes versus air? Everybody's going to look good in that context, but did you glean anything? from the top quarterbacks when they were actually on the field spinning the rock.
3: I actually didn't watch any of them. Okay. I haven't watched, didn't watch a single bit of it. I basically I just like kind of read everything after the fact and it was like all of Anthony Richardson's measurables were just off the charts, you know, in <laughs> well, terms of all of all of those type of things. Well, let's things. talk about that then. Yeah.
0: His his collective performance at the Combine was a 43340, 10 9 broad jump, his vertical leap is 40 and a half. All of these are records by a quarterback at the Combine. By relative athletic score, he actually surpassed Camp Newton as the most athletic quarterback in the history of the NFL Combine. So tell me about that performance. Does that change how teams view him, even though he didn't play a football game?
3: Not really. Mm-hmm. To me, that's isolated almost in a vacuum because you can do all of those things. Like You can win the track meet. Of the NFL combine, right, which is pure, you know, performances and measurables and jumps and, you know, and then, of course, the the throwing sessions and all that. But the bench press, whatever, all of those factors that you've got to evaluate. And this is for any position. What's going to be more valuable is how does a guy break down tape? How does a guy, how receptive is he to coaching? Where is his acumen as a quarterback? Those are all things that are going to more drastically impact. Is this a guy that we're going to spend X draft capital on or aggressively move up to get, or we think that all these guys are comparable or whatever? That to me is the more important part of sure. being able to balance that out. You have to take that sample size of all his measurables and, yeah. Absolutely, give him the trophy for winning. You know the combine measurables, Dude, yeah. but that does not translate mm-hmm. to how successful he is going to be as an NFL quarterback. Because there are so many factors in terms of being successful at that position, and that's why it's so difficult to
0: get it right. Yeah, no, I mean JJ, you watch him. He can throw the ball down the field with ease. Maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't have the arm talent of a Will Levis, and he doesn't have the accuracy of of Stroud, but he's so gifted, and it makes you wonder how much he did help his draft stock over the weekend. But the question I have is, does that overshadow anything from last year? Because last year, Florida was 6-6. Six and six. I understand he can't play defense, and he's only one guy, but he threw 17 touchdowns, 9 picks. His completion percentage was 54% for the season. Right. Does does anything he did last weekend overshadow the tape, which is what, obviously, Chris Ballard's going to prioritize?
2: Yeah, I, I think – all the in- excitement about Anthony Richardson last week probably came from people who hadn't scouted him before, mm. who hadn't really dug into him. They just knew him as the super athletic quarterback, but hadn't really seen him do anything because Florida was six and six. You know, you probably weren't tuning in to watch the Gators a whole lot right. this year. Um, the This Colts scouting staff has probably already seen Anthony Richardson, so... It's like, they for them, yeah, it sets your athletic benchmarks, and my God, is he off the charts on those, but you already probably have an idea of the kind of quarterback that he is Mm -hmm. coming into this. Having said all that, I mean, I I heard someone put it this way, that the athletic traits that Anthony Richardson has, that's the floor of what you might get out of him. That you get this super athletic quarterback who you can scheme an offense around as you develop the rest of it. Um, if the Colts do go that route with Anthony Richardson, I mean, and I'm not saying they will, they could go any of four, five, six, seven, eight routes with the the number four overall pick. Um, if you do go that route, though, that those athletic numbers do matter. They do because you can turn that guy into a really effective quarterback. Sure. Justin Fields last year was awesome. And Justin Fields, I mean, he didn't have anyone to throw to outside of Darnell Mooney. Uh, it felt like at times, but you can you can develop a quarterback with those traits. It is a lot easier to develop a quarterback who has those traits than who doesn't have those traits. But Larry's is 100% right. To figure out what the ceiling of that quarterback is going to be, you have to figure out what's between the ears and can you improve that accuracy? Can you you get him to process NFL defenses right. and make the proper decisions as he goes through his progressions? Yeah. Those are things that every quarterback going into the draft has to work on. But yeah, I mean you you see those numbers and you're blown away, but I got to think most teams, probably all teams who are evaluating an Anthony Richardson, kind of expected those to be the numbers.
0: Hey, everybody in Radio Row was talking about it. This guy's going to blow it up, but what right. does it mean? How does it translate? How does it factor into the, the big picture puzzle there? So, again, I know the throwing drills at the Combine, they're not going to offer much in terms of the evaluation, but I think it does offer the Colts and specifically Shane Steichen some value. He said at the Combine he wanted to study the quarterback's, quote, functional movement and keying in on their fundamentals, keying in on their footwork. And again, because Steichen's getting a little bit of a late start on these quarterbacks because he was busy, he was coaching all the way up until the Super Bowl, any piece of the puzzle for him is going to be a big deal.
2: I mean, just a quick reminder for everyone listening, which I've said to Chicago-based media outlets like 15 times in the last week, Shane Steichen just started evaluating the quarterbacks in this year's class. Like, he's been putting the coaching staff together that we announced today. He's that's been his focus is putting together that coaching staff. Last week probably was the first time he really dove into evaluating the quarterbacks in this year's class, and that that is something you have to keep in mind. Is you're okay? Are the Colts going to trade up? If the Colts trade up, they have probably have someone in mind if they're going to trade up to number one. And you know, like Chris Ballard said, I just don't know if we're there yet. Maybe they get there, but right now, Tuesday at 1:53 p.m., I I don't know.
0: All right, I want to go back. This popped up for me the other day. I want to talk about quarterback draft history. I saw something the other day. Since 2011, there have been 25 quarterbacks that have been taken with a top 10 pick. Right, So that's the last decade plus, 25 quarterbacks taken in the top 10. And in that span, it's kind of a coin flip for every Patrick Mahomes or You know, you hit it right with Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or Herbert, Andrew Luck. For every one of those guys, there's Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen or Mitch Trubisky or Zach Wilson, who's the latest example in all of this. Larry, I'm going to start with you. What tells you that the quarterbacks in this class, based on what you've read, how you've heard them speak, again, combine workouts, whatever you want to go on, but what tells you that the quarterbacks in this draft – will be successful in the NFL, and they won't be in that draft bust category?
3: Honestly, nothing other than the team that they go to will most greatly impact whether they are a bust or whether they are a success. Because in looking at that list that you rattle off, you look at an organization, you talk about Patrick Mahomes, okay, like Kansas City. What has the stability been like with the ownership, the head coach, What success did he have prior to drafting Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, there are a ton of other factors. Joe Burrow got into an ideal situation in Cincinnati with Zach Taylor. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen with Buffalo. That is a a monster that had been building for a long time. He walked into an ideal situation for Josh Allen. Same thing, you know, Justin Herbert. It was an organization that was, you know, beginning to, I don't want to say necessarily like rebuild, but find a next era. Post Philip Rivers, and they had designed themselves to move that direction. With they, Shane already, they already had, yeah. and they already had a good defense that they had been building around. So you look at the stability within organizations, and you know that's that's not to knock on you know the Jets or the Browns or the Cardinals or the Bears, but it also kind of does. So, it just (laughs) in saying, it's it's Uh so much more uh, about the fit and putting that player in a position to be successful because of the coach you're pairing him with, the system he's playing within, and also what you have on the other sides of the ball that will determine all of those things.
2: Look at Daniel Jones. The first three years of Daniel Jones' career, it was like, this guy's a bust. Right. Then Brian Dable comes in this year, and proves how much coaching and scheme matters. matters. Josh Allen, too. Jo- same thing with Josh Allen. Right. Yeah. Brian Dable right there. Mm-hmm. That, Lara hit it on the head completely, that situation matters so much. There are some quarterbacks who can overcome bad situations. Those are once every 10 years those guys come through the league. You, you Counting on someone to come in and overcome a bad situation with substandard coaching, with subpar teammates around him, is so difficult. I mean, look at Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence in 2021 was a bad quarterback. It wasn't because Trevor Lawrence was a bad quarterback. It's because Urban Meyer was his head coach. I mean, and then
3: and what did he have around
2: him? And then you come in this year and you get Doug Peterson as his head coach with Press spend a Taylor ton to and. Put- Jim Bob Cooter and Christian Kirk has a career year. Travis Etienne is there. You've got a good, solid offensive now line. Calvin and and of you Calvin
3: Ridley in all of
0: this, too. you
2: Calvin Ridley. I mean, situation matters so much for these guys.
0: And here's the thing. Inevitably, this is just the truth. Inevitably, the odds are one of these guys is going to be really good. He's going to have a really good career. One of them probably won't pan out. Like you said, is going to go to the wrong team or not develop, not be able to take coaching, won't translate to the NFL for whatever reason, and then the other two will probably just be okay. Now, you might have two quarterbacks flame out. You might have two quarterbacks be really good, but the odds are one's going to be really good, one's going to flame out, and the other are just kind of they're going to tread water from maybe a contract or two in the NFL.
3: One thing that I think is going to be interesting to follow over a span of time is because of how college football has been monetized and made more corporate from a NIL perspective, major broadcast rights, college football playoff expansion, all of those factors. A lot of these top tier quarterbacks are more so treated like pros when they become starters at the college level. I am curious if these guys will be better prepared to transition into the NFL? Because for most of them, it's going to be a much larger sum of money, but it's not the first time that they're coming into being able to command their worth. Mm -hmm. They're already doing it. Guys who are playing at top-tier college programs already have those situations. Will that lead to less of a drop-off across the board for players going from the NFL, or from college football to the NFL. I, it's going to tap. this is a study that needs to probably go 10 years deep from the beginning of NIL sure, and right, all of this, right. but I, I am curious that I, I, how that will be a factor in particular with this class of guys, because they've already had so much media scrutiny. Sure, it's different than what you're going to get at the NFL level, but Mm -hmm. high degree of it when you're talking about the major top-tier college programs, the Power Five programs.
2: Can I just kind of go out on a limb here? This is why I'm not really worried about who the Colts take, because the conversations we've had with Shane Steichen and – the way that I think he can put whatever quarterback the Colts take into a good situation is so important. Shane Steichen has a, a really good understanding of how to bring a quarterback along and develop him. In 2020, he, he told us, he told Justin Herbert, the running back is going to be your best friend. And Austin Eckler led the league in running back receptions that year. Because Justin Herbert, you know, you don't have that accelerated vision. You you haven't seen these coverages that it's going to take you three, four, five years to see every single coverage in the league and see every single front and not be surprised by something. It takes time, and for for the right coach to come in, that's so critical. And and the Colts are not without weapons on offense. Jonathan Taylor. You know, Jelani Woods is someone we're all excited about here. Alec Pierce, an ascending guy. Michael Pittman Jr. is a 100-catch receiver. bear. Exactly. And that, to me, like, you don't – it doesn't have to be perfect. If it were perfect, the Colts would not be picking fourth overall. But you need to have some pieces in place to where you don't have a 2021 Jaguars situation. Or, you know, some other teams like the, when the Bears drafted Mitch Trubisky – his number one wide receiver that year was, like, I don't even remember, I, Literally, I can't remember who the number one receiver on that team was. It was, like, maybe Dontrell Inman, who they traded for midseason, former Colt. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the level of talent that was around him. The, the, the Colts do not have that. They have much better players, and it, it matters that you have an offensive-minded head coach in Shane Steichen who can come in and develop that quarterback and know what buttons to press and when to accelerate that development and when to say we might need to dial it back a little bit. That will put whoever this quarterback is in the best position to succeed.
3: I also think it's worth noting that a lot of your your weapons when you're talking about within this offense, wide receivers, tight end, running backs, it's a young group and it's an impressionable group that you can mold together I mean we talked about how young the receiver core is looking at the tight ends I mean Mo Cox is the most experienced of that group and then surrounding him you know a lot of yeah. you know guys coming off of their first and second years look at how young the receiving group is JT still incredibly young in his NFL career so I think that it is a group that you can bring along together it's not like this quarterback should the Colts draft one, have to come in and make do with a bunch of guys who have been within another system or heavily influenced by one particular right. quarterback. They're going to bring this group up and build that group together as one.
2: The the other thing to keep in mind is rookie year results are not necessarily predictive of the rest of this quarterback's career. I'm looking at the list, Mayteh, the top 10 pick quarterbacks since 2011. There are 26 of them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you go down the list. And- oh, there's
0: 20. I thought had 25. But, About, okay. 25,
2: 20. Well, maybe it didn't include Terrell Pryor, who counted as a quarterback in this. But Trevor Lawrence. I have awful. a tendency to miscount. Oh, awful situation for was Trevor Lawrence. I told there would be no math. There, yeah. It's not that much. Um, Trevor Lawrence. Awful situation. His rookie year. He rebounded from it. Joe Burrow tore his ACL because the offensive line in Cincinnati was so bad. His rookie year. He's doing just fine right now. Josh Allen was Like, he wasn't like a real NFL quarterback his rookie year. He just scrambled and threw it 50 yards downfield.
0: (laughs) His completion percentage coming out of college was like 53%. So, I mean, that's that's the Brian Dayball effect. He he goes to the right situation. Right.
2: But you can, what did Shane Steichen say? You can coach accuracy Mm -hmm. with scheme and with technique. So, just because if someone comes in and, and whoever the Colts take doesn't have a good rookie year, that does not mean that they are a bust. I think there are levels of. Of struggles as a rookie that might inform you of that, um, you know I I think probably some teams or you know the, the Jets might have realized early on that Zach Wilson maybe right didn't have it there, uh, you know Jake Locker a guy the Titans took in the top ten a guy who you know didn't really have it early on, but for the most part you can just because you have a poor rookie season and your production maybe isn't there does not mean that you won't grow as a quarterback it, and I think that's something that Chris Ballard has talked about right mayte that sure in this age of instant gratification and we want everything to be great right from the jump, don't give up on a guy after a year wait and develop him and you know maybe you have a rookie season like Justin Herbert or like Cam Newton or uh, Andrew luck and you know you show a lot of really good things and you're productive from week one. You don't have to be to be the long-term solution at quarterback.
0: And the unfortunate part of this, to your guys' point, I completely agree with you that a lot of how we view these guys that are in the bucket of draft bus has to do with where they were drafted, right? I mean, do we think Sam Darnold is a bad quarterback that can't play in the NFL? No, but he was drafted by the Jets, and they've had some instability, to put it lightly. I mean – would Jamarcus Russell's
3: had, career been different had he not gone to the Raiders? Sure. H-
0: had Baker Mayfield been drafted by the Chargers over Justin Herbert, h- hypothetically? I know they're not in the same draft class, mm-hmm. but you get the idea. Like, what if what if Josh Rosen is drafted by the Chiefs and he's paired up with Andy Reid? Like, do we think of Josh Rosen completely differently? That's my point. The, like, get him in the right situation, <coughs> and that sets them up for rookie contract trajectory.
2: By the way, I will, speaking of Sam Darnold, I will give you a million dollars right now if you could tell me who the leading rusher and leading receiver on the 2018 New York Jets were when Sam Darnold was a rookie.
0: Rusher and receiver? Yeah,
2: like a million dollars. Like one guy well, we, or? No, wait, two, oh, okay. two guys, two separate guys. We
0: played in that year, but that was five years ago, so I have no idea.
2: Isaiah Can't Crowell remember, okay? Isaiah Crowell was the leading rusher. He averaged you know, 40, 143 attempts, 685 yards, not bad. Uh, Robbie Anderson, leading wide receiver, 50 catches for 752 wow. yards. Yeah, yeah. Right. What is
3: Robbie Anderson now being known as, though? He's changed it because he changed his uh, spelling yeah. of Robbie Anderson, and now I think he's – He's getting
2: cut by – Wow.
3: Oh, yeah, he yeah. now has a different oh,
2: – yeah.
0: yeah. Well, here's the last one. Here's the last one I'll leave chosen. you with. Chosen. The chosen. Ander- chosen. Mm-hmm. All right. Just chosen Anderson. All right, last one, and then we'll, we'll switch to a different topic. But to put a bow on the conversation, since 1998 – Seventy-two quarterbacks have been picked up in the first round. Eleven of the seventy-two delivered their team a Super Bowl championship. Mm. Forty-one of them failed to win at least one playoff game. So it's a big deal. Obviously, it goes so without sink saying. Or
3: swim. It's like it's like there's not a lot of mediocrity in there. Not a lot, of, there, right? not a lot like, of gray area. Yeah,
0: right. So that's why you know the Colts potentially here have this monumental decision to make if indeed they choose to go quarterback in the draft. All right, speaking of all of this, we were all at the Combine. There was more fallout from the Combine from the Bears, sitting at number one currently. Their general manager, Ryan Poles, he spoke with Peter King of NBC Sports at the Combine, and Peter King reported that Poles has talked with, according to him, Poles that is, has talked with three teams about trading the top pick in the draft, has a good idea of what he can get in return. King reported he said he had enough conversations about a deal to know when swapping first-round picks this year that he can get a 2024 first-round pick and a 2025 first-round pick in a major package for a trade. Poles wants to be sure he gets a, quote, blue player. That's his term for a premier first-rounder, and there may be only six or eight of those when the Bears end up setting their board. Now, last week at the Combine, Chris Ballard, said the Colts wouldn't trade up for a quarterback unless, unless he was, quote, just convinced that this no-freaking-doubt is the guy. That's a, very, that's a very Chris Ballard type of quote. I love it. Lara, are there any quarterbacks in this draft class that fit the Chris Ballard quote of, quote, no-freaking-doubt the guy?
3: As we sit on March 7th, not to me, I don't think so. There's still much to be gleaned from pro days, private workouts, complex visits. They'll bring guys into their building. There is a lot to be learned before that last weekend in April. So there could be a guy who separates himself and solidifies himself as that guy in the next month, month and a half. But as it sits right now, no, I don't think so. That's the
0: first part of it. The second part of it. Uh, J.J., hypothetically, if that guy does exist, how do you feel about the Colts giving up two first-rounders in back-to-back years to
2: that go up three spots?
3: That is a whopper of a deal.
2: If you get it right, it doesn't matter. If you get that pick right, oh. who cares? I, w-
0: I would agree with you on that.
2: That, but and, and look, the Colts have to get this pick right anyway. They could stay at four and get it right, or they, they could stay at four and get it wrong, and it'll have just the same ramifications. Obviously, losing two first-round picks adds to the pain but what matters is getting the quarterback pick right and if you have to trade two first first round picks to do it then you're okay with that if you think you, you can be convicted right but you, know? you you can't just do that to be like well we want to control the draft board you need to do that because you are convinced yeah. that that's the guy if you have three or four guys bunched up on your board and there isn't that much separating them right and you feel like you could stay at 4 stay. and take that guy, stay at 4 and then continue to build your team with those picks, but if you need to if you feel like we got to go get this guy, go do it and the price at that point, who cares if you get it right No one's going to care that the Colts aren't picking in the first round in 24 and 25.
3: Here's the thing, though. I think that there are teams that are in a more desperate quarterback situation because of they're too far back in the draft to be in the conversation. I think a team like Carolina could be the team to jump up and make that move and be more aggressive because of where they are sitting just inside the top 10, as opposed to the Colts who are still in a good position at four. So I think that there's a team like that that could be kind of skewing this conversation. To I don't know that it's Carolina, but right. just kind of looking at their quarterback situation, looking at where they're sitting, I don't think that that guy is going to be there at nine, so it might be advantageous and might be worthwhile for them to jump up. And that could be where a lot of this conversation, well, a lot that's, of what is fueling this right sure. now.
0: That's the next part of this. Do the Colts have to move up to at least number three then? Okay, if they don't go from four to one, do they have to at least move up to three with the Cardinals in order to prevent a team like the Panthers or somebody else that needs a quarterback in the top ten, prevent that team from moving up in front of you to ensure that you get at least one of the top three quarterbacks in the class. That's a huge hypothetical, JJ, because it it all boils down to your evaluation of these draft quarterbacks. If there's a gap between, let's say, the top two and the next two or the top three and the last one they're at number four, If the quarterbacks are close, then you don't trade up. You get one of the best four quarterbacks in the draft, and you feel good. But if there's a gap, I would find out why. And I would see if I can coach up Anthony Richardson or if I could coach up Will Levis, right? Because Richardson is this unicorn in terms of talent and athleticism and ability. If I feel like I can coach up his flaws, if I feel like I can develop him even further – I'm not giving up two first round picks, certainly to go from four to one. But that next conversation is a little bit intriguing. going from four to three. Obviously, the price tag's not going to be as steep. it It might be a little bit more manageable, and you also ensure you get one of the top three guys. Right. if, in fact, that cluster, what you don't want to be doing is in that scenario that Daniel Jeremiah had on Twitter yesterday, he said, quote, Indian and Carolina both need to identify the quarterback prospect they want and do what it takes to move up and get them. I don't think patience is your friend right now with so many quarterback-needy teams out there. Bears can issue a buy-now price for that pick, and I believe one of these two will pay it. So that's Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, JJ, your thoughts on possibly going up to one or possibly going up to three?
2: Mate, I think the point you made in there about Okay, why is there a gap? Let's say just hypothetically, there's a gap between the top two quarterbacks Mine's and then the next two.
0: <laughs> no, I mean
2: it, if, but, but, no but seriously, if is, but it, if there is if you're why? all over
0: Anthony Richardson, if you like him and you and i i I think there's teams out there that think, believe it or not, he's like the second best quarterback in this yeah, draft. but I, I think you, there's teams out there. So if it was me, I'd figure out why. And I would camp out in Gainesville and just figure out what's going on but, and talk to as many people as possible.
2: But if you do that and you say, okay, we have we have Anthony Richardson number three on our board, and there is a gap between the top two guys and Anthony Richardson. But if we surround him with the right pieces, which we could take in the 24 and 25 drafts with our first-round picks, yep. he will have a, a chance to succeed so we feel comfortable staying at four, even if maybe he's the third guy on our board. And and again, we don't know what the Colts draft board looks like. It, 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 absolutely no idea what what that group looks like. Mm-hmm. But that this is where the the cat and mouse game of the next couple of weeks is going to be so fascinating because it sounds like the Bears want to make this trade this week.
0: Yeah, they're selling like, peace of mind they, right now, well, aren't they?
2: Because they they need they're selling peace of mind, but they also need picks, so they could maybe go out and trade for someone like a DeAndre Hopkins. Right now they don't have the picks to go send a, you know, a high second round pick right, right. for him. You know, if they need to know what picks they have so they can go weaponize their cap space through trades not just free agency and use those picks to acquire some players to put around Justin Fields, so it behooves them to make the trade this week. So then they going into free agency they can start making those moves. Right. Uh that way, but If I'm the Colts, you know it's like I was talking about earlier. Shane Steichen just got started evaluating these quarterbacks, and now if the Bears are saying, "Well, pick one," is that going to lead lead the Colts to back off? I don't know. Does that lead the Colts to trade up to number three, and say, "Yeah, we like three of these guys. We don't know who we like yet, but we like three of them, and we'll go up." Right. We'll we'll just make sure we get one of them. Mm -hmm. And also, are we sure Houston's taking a quarterback at number two? I don't know.
0: Yeah, this is all so fascinating. and In many respects, we're just getting started, man. The legal tampering period starts a Monday free agency next week, and then, of course, the ongoing quarterback talk. So uh, let's continue that now. Charles Davis, as we said, one of the best and nicest human beings in the football business and in life, for that matter, Uh, Charles and I sat down at the NFL Combine last week. We talked Colts, we talked quarterbacks. NFL Network and CBS analyst Charles Davis from the Combine. Always fantastic at the NFL Combine to talk football with Charles Davis. NFL draft analyst from the NFL Network, commentator, analyst on CBS. CD, welcome back to town, man. It is always great. Your personality, it's it's infectious, man. You've got the greatest smile of all time. Thank you. Uh, I hope you're doing well.
1: Matt, you're so nice. Thank you. I remember (laughs) Last time I got to sit down with you, we were talking. What was the candy? store, rocket fizz. That's like, what I'm saying, right? Your, your is it, memory is impeccable, right? Was that's it, wasn't the rocket. Is it rocket yeah, fizz? Rocket fizz. Rocket I was, fizz. We were I about swear the to God, store, I was going to lead off Down, with down, that. down, down by the, with the, the big <laughs> monument, the circus. Yes. So yeah. you know, I, and and I think I know rocket fizz is still going, right? Yeah,
0: thanks to you. Uh-huh. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it alive. <laughs> you know, we're sitting here talking about prime 47, Saint Elmo's. Like, no, nah, I'm going to get airheads. <laughs> <laughs> rocket fizz. Rocket fizz. <laughs> How many times have you hit that up? By the way, so hey, far Hey, I've this, hit it up week? so much
1: that my picture's up in the place now. I like it. Yeah, you're putting somebody through college. That's <laughs> somebody, what it's all about. Somebody is very happy. I
0: might get stocked next yeah. time. Well, let's let's talk about the Colts. I know you're you're pressed for time, so we'll we'll maximize it here, Charles, um, on day two of the of the combine. Shane Steichen, the fit in Indianapolis. What what do you make of that?
1: I like it a lot. You know, and and look, all the controversy it went through with Jeff Saturday and him getting the job and all that. I firmly believe that Mr. Ursay intended for that to be more than than what it was. Sure. But the way things went, it put everything into <laughs> you know put everything into jeopardy. Yeah. You can't have a thirty point lead blown. You can't only win one game. You can't do that. This isn't me pointing fingers at Jeff because I'm a huge Jeff Saturday guy and I know there's controversy. But I thought Reggie Wayne hit it best. Oh, really? At the TSA line, you're not going to jump up there if they give you an opportunity? Absolutely. Right. Who, who, yeah, wouldn't? who wouldn't? I, yeah. I don't blame Jeff at all. Right. But now that it's open, here comes Shane Steichen. The way that he ran offense in Philadelphia, and what people have to understand is he did call the plays the last two years at Philadelphia. That was turned over to him by the head coach. He had firm control of that offense. He's going to play to whatever his talent gives him. He's going to be a lot like Brian Daybol, I believe. Brian Dable, I don't believe wanted to play in New York the way he played last year. I don't think he wanted to have his quarterback run in fifteen quarterback runs. Right, and, right. But that was that's how he could win ball games, and he did and get to the playoffs. I think Shane will do the exact same thing. Obviously, quarterback is going to be a big, big part of this draft process for the Indianapolis Colts, right. and how you build around that quarterback and go from there. You saw what he did with Jalen Hurts. He played to what what Jalen did best, and what that team presented. It's going to take some time to have an offensive line like Philly. Sure. But Indianapolis had that just a few years ago, so yeah. they can build it again.
0: With all of that out there, what was it imperative the Colts get a offensive-minded head coach? Who's it
1: certainly felt like it. I am a big believer that, that these teams and hiring coaches, you better get someone who's a leader of people. You better get someone who commands the locker room, someone that the team can respect. I don't care if he's offense or defense. I feel like Lou Anarumo of Cincinnati, totally overlooked by by people in his hiring cycle, he gives you everything that you're looking for. The person who can command the locker room, get the respect of the players, do all of that, that takes care of business. This this idea that a head coach is only going to coach really one side of the ball – I have to admit, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Yeah. I, I want a head coach who knows everybody on the team. I want a head coach who understands what you're doing on defense if he's an offensive coach, if he's a o- defense coach if he understands what you're doing on offense. I want anything to run through them. I want to be Denzel Washington and remember the Titans. <laughs> you will run yeah. the defense under my overall direction. Right, right, right. That's what I want as a head coach, and, and I, I believe that. I think Shane Steichen can provide all those things. Yeah. But, yeah, he will be an offensive-minded coach first because that's really where, where yeah. we're going in the league
0: and, and he's got a lot on his plate and he's doing it for and the first time by the way, time. keeping Gus Bradley was a great move no question about it so you look at all that are you surprised that with
1: all that doing it for the first time he still wants to call plays and now manage that no I'm not surprised at all because so many of these coaches they believe what got them the job is what they should continue to do okay okay Nick Sirianni started calling plays in Philadelphia before turning it over to Shane Steichen. Brian Daybowl is almost an exception. He never called plays with the Giants. He turned over to Mike Kafka, mm-hmm. but he made sure Mike Kafka proved himself in the offseason and the preseason before he totally turned it over and said, go ahead and take it. Many of these coaches get the job for their acumen. And look, with the news we got in Buffalo yesterday with Leslie Frazier, no yeah. longer stepping, stepping away for, stepping away it for it appears a appears to be a sabbatical or yeah. what have you. Will you be surprised? If Sean McDermott at some point announces that he's going to take over defense again, I wouldn't be because that's how things have changed. Todd Bowles in Tampa last year was a D.C. elevated head coach. He told me last summer he's going to keep calling plays because I don't have time to get a person in who's going to run the system, et cetera. It's better mm-hmm. that I do it. I have someone I trust. Whether he'll do it next year, I don't know but where he got the job in the time frame, he thought it was best to keep yeah. calling them. So none of that surprises me. Their acumen, their skill level got them the job. They believe that's how they do it. Frank Wright called the plays. He's going to call. I'll bet you Frank calls them in Carolina, yeah, too. Yeah, no.
0: Where are you with the quarterback class? How much tape have you oh, studied I got, on, oh, the, oh, Matt, on the quarterbacks? I, I got a
1: ton more to do, but I, I think I've done more to this stage considering where I normally start than I have in years past. So it's mean, probably, you know, yeah. a low bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, in the past, you know, because I call games during the year, and I hope no one is listening and saying, boy, that kid makes a lot of excuses. This is not an excuse. It's just my schedule ends after the Super Bowl because I call the Super Bowl for international broadcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm fully immersed in calling in calling games everything. Do I watch? Yeah, when I can. But I, I'm not going to lie to Pockets. people and yeah, say, well, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm watching so much college football on no. Saturday because I'm getting ready for an NFL no. game. Yeah, OK, same. Now I pick up the pace and now I go. But I have seen more already mm-hmm. than I normally do. And I will tell you, for me, I know the size is a thing. But Bryce Young is my number one quarterback out of Alabama. I'm going to have a hard time getting off of that. Yeah. Unless tomorrow on Friday—excuse uh, me, on Thursday he measures and weighs 170 pounds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. If he weighs anywhere close to 200. You're good with that. He's going to throw his hands up like he just won the heavyweight championship. Right. A few years ago, Matt, we were all here. Remember we were waiting for the measurement for um, Kyler Murray? Mm-hmm. Would he be 5'10"? Yeah. And he was. Yeah. Remember Joe Burrow's hand? Yeah. Can he pick its hand? Plenty big enough. Right. Those, are the, those are the early wins for him. Anywhere close to 200, I think, is a major victory for, yeah, are for
0: him. Are you going to be putting your arms in the air, though, celebrating that? Like, I'll, be celebrating, I'll
1: be celebrating it because it'll take away when I have to fight with people over why I like Bryce Young because they immediately say, well, you know, he weighed 165 when he played against. I don't think he ever weighed 165, but I hear that a lot. This kid is a playmaker extraordinaire. I think he plays from the pocket better than he gets credit for. He's not a runner as much as he is a mover when necessary. Can he pick up first downs with his legs? Absolutely. Yeah. But he's not re- they're not calling a ton of quarterback run game for him. You know, that's not really what he does. But go back and watch some of the anticipatory throws he makes, where the ball is placed, the accuracy. And by the way, my alma mater, Tennessee, finally beat Alabama 15 seasons, right? If he doesn't play against Tennessee this year, they get run. Really? It was 28-10 at one point. Yeah. And he brought to Alabama back and had him in position to win the ball game. Yeah. Go to the LSU game this year. So so look at his losses this season. When I say his, Alabama's lost this season. My Alabama friends are just all upset. Didn't get <laughs> to the playoff. How do we not go to college football playoff? My volunteers kicked a field goal at the buzzer from 40 yards to beat them. Yeah. And somehow, kid knuckleballed it. And through. it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can <laughs> you imagine how, how he <laughs> felt? You imagine how that young man felt drawing his leg back <laughs> to kick that one. It doesn't matter. It went in. Who listen, cares? Listen, it's not aesthetics, right? No. By the way, as soon as that thing went through, it, it became matter. an instant hero no on doubt. campus, right? No doubt. They lose at LSU in overtime on a two-point conversion play, last play of the game. The two losses they had this year were the last plays of the game. Yeah. If he doesn't play in either one of those games, they get jumped on in both. Yeah. up. by two touchdowns. That's who this kid is, I, and I think he's got a toughness to him. I really like him. I'll just put it to you that way. C.J. Stroud, I think, is terrific. Yeah. Will Levis, I've got to do more work on. Okay. I know there's a Tennessee bias. People are going to accuse me of it. But I do think if Hendon Hooker does not have the ACL, I think we'd be having a bigger fight about whether Hooker or Levis is QB3 in this class. And Anthony Richardson's the most physically gifted quarterback in this class, bar none, is not even close. If you see him in person on the hoof, you're going to call me Matt Taylor. You're going (laughs) to go, good (laughs) Lord, is that a good-looking kid in terms of physical ability, stature, the whole thing. Get off the bus. Pull up the Utah tape. He might be the number one pick in the draft. All right, lastly, I know you got to run after this. You know, the Colts,
0: Shane Steichen, spoke earlier today. He talked about the number one trait, the number one thing that they're going to prioritize in their quarterback and their search in this draft potentially is relentlessness, right? Wanting to be the best quarterback, mm-hmm. having a drive, having a passion, elevating everybody else around them. Yep. In this class, what you know about these guys, who, who
1: has those traits sort of in spades? Same, same kid I talked about before, mm-hmm. Bryce Shell. That's who he is. Relentless, sees the big picture, makes all his decisions based on how am I getting better today. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that the others don't do that. He's the one I probably know a little bit better. Sure. I've had a little more experience with him for some stuff off season, et cetera. I'm not saying Hooker doesn't do I'm not saying Levis doesn't do that. Let me tell you something. Will Levis is a good looking kid now. Mm-hmm. He knows what the weight room is. <laughs> all right. He spent his time. Richardson is bigger, stronger than Will Levis. And when you, I'm just telling you, Matt, when you see him, you're going to go. You'll call me. Trust <laughs> yeah. me. Okay? I'm not saying those guys don't have it. I just know that Bryce Young has.
0: It. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, if you see some extra charges on your tab at Rocket Fizz, that's probably me. Listen, yeah, that's put a Put it on me. the Davis tab now. It, it's
1: on me, baby. It's on me. <laughs> as, long, hey, as, long as, you, as long as you don't go and try and you know figure out the urban legend of, now, can I have some pop rocks and drink a soda with it? Or yeah, will no, I I'm explode, not going to make a mess in there. Or will no. I explode when I remember that one? Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I'm just you going to. Don't drink
1: the soda. You're going to explode.
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to get some weekend candy for a six-year-old. That's all, you know. Come remember, on. Do you
1: remember rock candy? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. I used to take rock candy and put it in my hot tea, and oh, that God. was my sweetener.
0: Oh God! Oh my! You are a sweet tooth, brother.
1: Can, 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 can you tell that me and diabetes are, are fencing right now? You
0: guys, yeah, you're you're staving that off, but you look great, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking on diabetes,
1: Epe, foil, saber. I'm taking them on with, with all all costs. Eli Lilly's in town. They'll just give you a can, shot. Can, you're can, good can, on your can, way can, out. Can they hook a brother up? Can Can they bring it down? And I don't mean to joke because you know my mom. My grandfather, the whole thing is something I've had to be yeah. careful of my entire life sure. and and so many other people. So it's not a joke for me, but I do have to be conscious of it. Because when I see Rocket Fizz, I'm like, I'll take two of those, eight of those, oh, 12 yeah. of those, six of those, <laughs> nine of those, and just ship them to my house. <laughs> I love it, man. Self-discipline,
0: but every now and again, Rocket Fizz is the fuel you need now. Yeah, self-discipline in my name never really goes. in the like same it. sentence. I like it. Charles, you're the best, man. <laughs> Thanks, Thank you so Matt. much Great for the to time. See you, you, too, you, you too. You take care, okay? Charles Davis, again, one of the greatest dudes in the NFL. Talking football right there. That was from the Combine last week. It's always so bizarro. You, you talk to all these guys about their favorite haunts and stops in Indianapolis at the Combine. It's It's Prime 47, Mm -hmm. it's St. Elmo, it's Harry and Izzy's, or you might have like a hole-in-a-wall bar. For Charles, it's Rocket Fizz with the candy. On the circle. (laughs) How much candy could you eat in a setting before you started to feel awful about yourself, physically and and mentally, (laughs) consciously, Alair Overton? You Uh, don't strike me as a big candy gal.
3: Well, because I can't keep it in the house. Because you will eat it? Yeah. Yeah. Dan Dan Tucker and I have one day a week that we buy candy, and that is on Sunday. And At the
0: grocery store or what?
3: We usually go to CVS because there are two pretty close to our house uh, in the B-Rip. And, uh, yeah, we go and we get candy on Sunday, and that's kind of like my indulgence is the candy I get on Sunday. So I, I have to have some – will. this is why I can only get it one day a week because if right. I have candy around me at all times, like I'm not one of those people who that's can have terrible. like a candy dish at my desk. Yeah. Like we got a couple of coworkers like David Thornton got some candy jars mm-hmm. over there. Lindsay Katavalos has some epic candy jars yeah. over here in, no uh, in sponsorship, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't have a lot of self restraint. I could go pretty deep. You know, the bigger thing for me than candy, just kind of falling within the sweets category, I 100% could house a full pack of <laughs> double stuffed Oreos without coming up for air. Whoa. So I know it's not a candy, but still within no, like that's, the sweets that's realm. A sweet, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that gives you some perspective on the lack of willpower <laughs> mm-hmm. that one Lara Overton possesses. That pretty well illustrates it. Like, yeah. I can go ham on some candy. I, and I, too, I like I like chocolate candy. I like the chocolate peanut butter and the Reese's and the stuffs. Mm-hmm. I like the sweet and the sour candies, like the gummies and the, the Sour Patch Kids and all of that. So, like, I'm pretty equal opportunity. The one thing, just <laughs> don't come at me with some licorice. Keep that Ish no taffy
0: or anything not a big Laffy, taffy, taffy, taffy
3: person no 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 not, not Those not stretchy candies but uh those like you know those albanese gummy bears or the sour worms like i'm all about those some starbursts <laughs> the starburst jelly beans the sour skittles uh all of it it yeah. is it is
0: a dangerous proposition at, i mean i my can house. go down a
3: rabbit hole yeah. on some things jj like,
0: yeah. my, my kids love I'm candy i go
3: bubba gump here on candy <laughs> <you
0: know? laughs> shrimp stew <laughs> yeah. shrimp and potatoes yeah. pineapple shrimp uh, do you have the same problem where there's candy in your house at all times because of the, the holidays and certainly Halloween candy that's left yeah. over? We have Valentine's candy. candy still yes, we around. we have candy uh, on on full display 365. It seems like
2: uh, cookies cookies for us. Every time we go to the grocery store, you know we we'll take the boys and they each demand to get a box of cookies or like a package of cookies. Because there are two of them and everything has to be equal, so then we'll just come home with all these Oreos or yes. like the like the really good like soft baked store brand cookies, and we'll just come home and then it's like oh shoot, like I'm gonna eat a bunch of these cookies, and the the one like the, the the little I don't know if I'm ashamed of it because I'm admitting it on a podcast setting. But after this I, this is a safe space. After there, Trust there have been tree. days where I've come back Bird and, and <laughs> I've had, I've had you know a couple drinks. Uh, like Wednesday when I was uh, out until one a.m. at the combine because I'm an idiot and I just was having fun with my friends.
3: It's NFL Spring Break is what someone is. referred to it as, and I, it's the greatest. So you've ever I, got,
2: heard. I got back home to my house at one forty-five in the morning. It was terrible. It, this is a bad decision. But I then went into where our <laughs> cookies are and I ate an entire sleeve of Oreos. Whoa! Because yeah. I was so hungry. <laughs> I was really hungry. I had a couple of beers, and I was like, oh, man, Oreos sound really good.
3: Here's the other thing. Oreos just taste better late at night, too. Like yes. there's something correct. about correct. Cereal like,
2: tastes better late at night, uh, as thank well. Thank you. Also I, correct. I, I
3: had a bowl of life cereal the other night. <laughs> this is Husband so true. looks at me like I'm nuts. This I'm like, is so do we true. What eating cereal for dinner? I don't know what
0: we're <laughs>
2: doing Snacking here. on Cinnamon Toast Crunch at 9.30 p.m. Really hits. <laughs> oh, God, I'm, that I'm that a was big in-bed
0: cereal guy. I'm not going to lie. In-bed, laying on the mattress, cereal guy Oh. It's probably not the Can't best. Can't do that
3: with Oreos though in the bed. That just a lot of cr- Crumb mess. City. Yeah, Crumb yeah. City. Crum yeah. Crumb City. But yeah, what about you?
0: Well, my kid—it's—it uh, really is a lot of self-restraint because my kids love candy. There's always candy available, and they equate candy with a snack. So they say, "Can I have a snack?" and they just go get a piece of candy. Oh. Right. Mm-hmm. So you—you you definitely have to combat that. There's some parenting that needs to happen. Uh, on our part to to fix that and overcorrect that, but
3: do you know what I think? There's no saturation point on that I could probably have and uh, to an endless degree, I think. And it's kind of playing to our conversation or your conversation rather with Car- with Charles Davis and the nostalgic candies, sixlets. I could eat sixlets like a full bucket. of I don't them. think I know what
0: that is. I'm it googling is, it. I it don't is know what like that is.
3: a round. It's like a round chocolatey candy with <laughs> oh, a shell yeah, on the outside. Uh-huh. They used to come in a little sleeve, a yep. little plastic sleeve, and you would just like open them up and rah, like, straight straighten like back of the Just pour them in. The they pour them all, straight in. Like, yeah, gravity yeah, yeah. would go Do, down. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You need to see a sixlet. Yeah. Pull up your old, old Googler. Sixlet. Okay. The sixlets. So it, anyone out there who's still listening to this podcast, if you're on board with me on the sixlet, maybe I'm aging myself out of our audience here. Yeah, but,
0: okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. those. Oh. Yeah. No saturation uh, I
3: point. I haven't seen because they're smaller in than years. an M M&M, and M, and like they're not as rich as an M M&M, and M. So you could just engulf those things.
2: Among like, these six related questions on Google for sixlets, are sixlets real chocolate? Also, do six do sixlets have sugar? I'm pretty sure they do.
0: All right, that's a good random thought. The official random thought random thought of the week is this: March is here, Lair Overton. March. Best sports month of the year, yes or no? No. Really?
3: I mean I like March. I like March a lot. I I really like January though, when you've got NFL playoffs and you've got like major college basketball conference schedule. You've got conference schedule and okay. all of that. All right. Uh okay. and then yeah, that's that'd probably be it. I mean I do love college basketball, but like It's kind of that's it. I mean, you've got the NBA, but it's kind of so close to the end of the season that there aren't a lot of relevant games at that point of the year. I mean, college basketball dominates, and I love it because I'm a Hoosier girl at heart. Love it. But I'm going to take – I like January. I like that whole, like, December to January type of stretch where you've got college football playoffs – College basketball conference play and NFL late season into playoff like season. It. That's like my span of time. March.
2: Think- JJ, you in on March? No, give me October. October, October is where okay. the NFL season, you're starting to get the narratives down. Mm-hmm. You got playoff baseball. Um, College I don't, football, yeah, college football. You, you know, Maytay's like, a
3: Reds fan, so he hasn't seen a lot of relevant yeah. October, October baseball White, in a long really time. I'm a White Sox fan.
2: I October haven't
0: seen really a lot of had October baseball too. <laughs> October been not good to me, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, all those
2: those college football Saturdays in October, nor has July, <laughs> nor has August. Yeah, yeah. There, you get the idea. There's nothing like the the Saturday college game day at some beautiful campus where the leaves are turning. Yep, yep. And you know, you got Pat McAfee hollering you know I about something. I know you do hate fall. Yeah, God, yeah. Loves you hate fall. Hates fall and the Christmas. Lara Overton story. And
0: Christmas. Lara is not on board with Christmas. FYI. What What so are sure. you? What next? Next week, tell us what you do like, and then we'll have no, a we podcast based months. on all of That'll those. Be a short all of that. <laughs> all right, JJ. What are you writing about this week before we sign off here?
2: Uh, recapping some of the quarterbacks. What yep. we heard from them this week. Uh, f- finishing it out with a story on Aiden O'Connell, produced quarterback, Ooh. who is really interesting, really compelling guy. Uh, love his perspective, his outlook on. You know, it's probably going to be a backup and uh, what he needs to go forward with that. So yep. uh, looking forward to writing that one on Friday on Colts.com.
0: Awesome. We look forward to it. Loaded it up. Uh, we got more Combine content sprinkling out uh, as we go along. Last week, uh, we chatted with Dane Brugler from The Athletic, Mike Tannenbaum, Dan Graziano from ESPN, among the many others, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl. We just heard from Charles Davis we also chat with Mark Ross and Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network, Rick Spielman, former GM, now with CBS Sports, and all the va- uh, voices from the AFC South, and many, many more. We also have a free agent tracker podcast series Continue on this week. We're going to talk about Yannick Ngakwe and EJ Speed, two tantalizing defenders for the Colts in the uh, free agent realm of things. Next week, we're going full bore NFL free agency with a preview and get you caught up with the latest draft rumors when we come back next Tuesday. For JJ Lair, I'm Matt Taylor. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next Tuesday here on the official Colts podcast brought to you by WinBet. Until then, have a great week. So long.